good day, and welcome to Sea to Ski with Sarah and T, putting the P in professionally managed vacation rentals. This is the Vacation Rental Management Professionals Podcast, coming to you from the Outer Banks of North Carolina and from the Rocky Mountains of Colorado. I'm Sarah Bradford from Winter Park and Steamboat Springs. And I'm Tim Cafferty from the Outer Banks of North Carolina and Sandbridge, Virginia. Together, we bring you the first podcast focused solely on professionally managed vacation rentals across the nation, or as we like to call it, Sea to Ski with Sarah and T. In the next 30 minutes, we hope you'll join us on our journey as we dive into issues affecting folks like us, the professional vacation rental manager, allowing you to run your business more effectively, make more money, and most importantly, have fun doing it. We are back and better than ever. I'm Tim. And I'm Sarah. And welcome back to Sea to Ski with Sarah and T. Today, we are going to cover something that all of us need to think about. But before we cover that, I think we need to give some shout-outs because our last episode was off the chain, Sarah. You, or I should say, Joanna Gaines did a fabulous job talking to us about decor. And we had a two-part episode. And we got a lot of feedback from our audience. We sure did. I guess when you mention HGTV then you get more listeners. That's that's the takeaway there. So let's do some shout-outs. You want to go first? Sure. Tyler Hurst from Live Res. He checked in with us, gave us a thumbs up, doing a great job, as our friend Heather Weirman, also independent vacation rental consultant, for those of you who don't know Heather. She said, keep up the good work. As a matter of fact, she said, I think something along the line of, these are the two people I would most like to listen to. I'm not sure she said exactly that. That was such a nice comment. Thank you, Heather. We want to listen to you too. And let's see, we heard from somebody in my neighborhood, Robin Cragen of Moving Mountains here in Steamboat, and he gave us a really nice compliment. So thanks for listening, Robin. And Tim, he said our audio is getting better. He actually said that. Good. Fantastic, because it was pretty bad at the beginning. So glad you guys have hung in here till what is this, episode 16 or something. We're figuring it out. We also heard from Derek Eaton. We met him in person at VRMA during our, our session. But Derek wrote as soon, I think he wrote the day we released the first decor episode, part one, and was sharing how important it is. Focus on decor, and he shared some ideas that I was going to put on Facebook for you guys to read. Very good. Derek, of course, is of Seattle Oasis Vacation Rentals. Also checking in with us was Lance Stitcher up at Seaside Vacations there on the eastern shore of Virginia. And Blaine Smith from San Diego, 710 Beach Rentals out there in San Diego, checked in with us and asked a question regarding something that we covered in one earlier episode. So thank you, thank you, thank you all. Yeah, and last but not least, Clark Twitty of Twitty and Company on the Outer Banks near you. Right, He listens to us on the way to work every day. Yeah, so thanks. So I just wanted to finish that shout-out off with, if you could review us on our podcast, on the podcast app, if you just stop, if you're not driving right now, look at it. It says reviews, and if you like us, I mean, if you don't like us, I guess review, but you probably aren't still listening (laughs) to us. So if you like us, give us five stars and even put a comment on there. We'd love to hear what you think, and we do want to hear feedback and what you want for upcoming topics. Fantastic. We are still in the honeymoon stages of 2018, of course, and weeks seem to pass very quickly this time of year, at least for me. And Whether you're at the height of your season like Sarah is or getting ready to gear up like me, you're probably on the constant merry-go-round of trying to find the right people. 
Optimism is high. This is the year. I'm going to find that perfect employee. But if you're like most vacation rentals, one of the greatest assets you have to offer is your remote and exotic location. But it also is your biggest curse in finding good people to hire. The employment pool sometimes is pretty shallow in some of our rental markets. And so you probably find yourself constantly on the lookout for new employees. And you're probably also constantly purging ones that didn't work out. How's it working out for you, Sarah? Oh, it's so easy in Winter Park and Steamboat to find quality staff. <laughs> no problem. No one wants to just be a ski bomb. That's that's just a falsehood. Mm-hmm. Just kidding. Yeah, this is a constant struggle. I have learned the hard way that hiring the wrong person is way more painful than waiting till you find the right person. So I'm really happy we're covering the hiring episode. We'll do some more HR topics in the future, but we did want to whittle it down just to hiring today because that's so vital. How about you, Tim? Is it pretty easy in the Outer Banks? Oh, yes. We have them lined up outside, actually. We make them take numbers. Ha! No, not so much. One thing you just mentioned there I want to dive into real quickly before we go any further, and that is by talking about these things, sometimes we come up with additional episodes. Like, for instance, the decor episode. We did a two-part episode in the last week or so since those two have landed. We have enough more material to do yet another decor episode. So this is not going to be the last you hear about hiring and firing and keeping track of your employees and so on. But as for today, we're going to be your shoulder to cry on as we work through the maze known as hiring staff in the vacation rental business. So we will do more episodes in the future on keeping staff happy so they don't leave. And then, of course, what to do when you want them to leave. But for today... When we concentrate on the positive, that's going to be the hiring of new staff. And so, as always, we want to bring you some actionable steps to take away at the end of the broadcast. So we're going to deliver eight ways to find a great employee. And so I'll take number one, and you dive in as you need to. We, first of all, will say you need to have a process. That's a shocker. If you've listened to any of our podcasts prior to now, everything we talked about pretty much talks about a process. So if you don't have a clear process about what you do when you hire someone, I challenge you now to stop what you're doing and commit it to writing. A lot of vacation rental managers actually have this. Mine is a spiral bound, and each of my management team has the booklet that's called New Employee Interviewing Guide, and it covers all the legal stuff. There are questions, of course, you can ask. There are questions you can't ask, how the process works, how you put an ad out. It leaves no question about how the process is supposed to go. Written job description first, that's our standard application is second. We always do a telephone call to set up the appointment, and then we go from there. Process is number one. Yeah, process is everything. I think this is a time when everybody can breathe in and breathe out and take in these eight steps and try to figure out if you have the right process and how to change your process if you don't. Because I don't have a new employee interviewing guide, Tim, and I need to build one. Mm. Um, But I think sometimes, maybe everyone can agree with this, especially when you're small, you all of a sudden go, oh my gosh, we need another employee. Hire somebody. They seem good. Get them in here. Instead of, wait a minute, like the legal stuff you're talking about, or recently we made a rule that we always posted internally, and what's the process around that so that no one feels internally like they didn't have a shot at it if we want them to have a shot at it. All those things take the time to get a process. Very good. Okay. 
Number two of the eight Tim and Sarah recommendations for hiring new staff is to look in the right places. And I'd love to hear from everybody on this, whether Tim and I are seeing the same trends as you are mm-hmm. out there. I've listed on Indeed.com, ZipRecruiter, Simply Hired, all these kind of places. And they seem good nationally, but we have not had luck with that. And I don't think you have either, Tim. No, we get a lot of a- applicants from some of those sites, but they're it's like a shotgun approach. They, f- yeah. they just fire out the resumes and they hope it hits something. It's like, hi, I live in New Hampshire, and I've always wanted to ski. Oh, okay, I'm not relocating you, and how am I going to interview you? So I don't know. I don't find those national sites are that great. Let us know. if Maybe in your, if you're in a biggest, bigger city, you might have more luck with that. But I find, honestly, that my best way to look in the right place, because I don't believe in our small ski communities that the newspaper is always the best way. Tim, you might have another opinion on that. The reason for the newspaper not working for us is we get all the folks that haven't had a job for a long time and can, they're like serial applicants. So it's mm-hmm. very scary to put something in our newspaper. The way I found the right place is sending an email to 20, 30, 40 of the community leaders in the area that I know well and just telling them what the job is, adding the job description, and asking if they know anybody as a referral. Excellent. I actually was the head of a hiring committee for our local association of realtors, and we hired a young man as an executive officer of our organization. So he came in on one of those national sites. And I remember when he interviewed for the job, he was from, let's just say, a metropolitan area. And he had vacationed here. He said, oh, I love that area. I vacationed there. And I remember telling him, you need to survive a February end of July, and then come back and see me. And so he actually did get the job, but what I'm saying is February is desolate, it's cold, it's windy, we're isolated, and July is just simply insane. You can't make a left turn off the main road on certain days. So, well, I saw this young man last week, as a matter of fact, and he told me, Tim, you are dead on. He said, I underestimated how isolated this area is, and I was never happy in my job. And Of course, he's not in that job any longer, and they're going through another search for a candidate for that position. Keep that in mind. Look in the right places to find the people you're looking for. Use your local network. Sarah mentioned her email network. I've heard Craigslist work very well. There may be an employment service in your town. Your website, community postings. Heck, I saw one ad in their church bulletin this past weekend. And don't forget your existing staff, too, for referrals. So there are some right places you can look to find the compatible people. And I don't want to leave, just talk to your existing staff as a little side note. That's probably, I meant to say, our biggest way we get people because they want to work with hard workers. They know what it's like to work at our company. They know not to refer a deadbeat. So I think employee referrals are the way to go. Hopefully no one's listening or they're not going to want to relocate to the Outer Banks, Tim. It sounds horrible. (laughs) Just don't come in February. (laughs) In uh, Winter Park, uh, it would be May would be what you have to survive, and then you'd have to survive the busyness of December. Steamboat, you just have to survive the ski season craziness. That's a good point. I like to get people that have lived in your location for a long time. It means they 
want to stay there. And that's critical. Go ahead, Tim. Well, What's number three? Well, I was going to say, particularly if they own a house and they're uh, renting, that's another one. That's a good commitment to the area when they, yeah, own, they, they have a mortgage. mortgage. They're perfect. Oh, baby. Yeah. I love mortgagees. So, <laughs> so number three, I know you've heard this many times. You need to seek an attitude and teach skill. Well, I'm going to flip it on you and say, you need to seek skill as much as attitude. We've all heard that old saying many times about teach skill, hire for attitude. You also need to make sure you have the person that is going to fill the job. Like to have a a world-class friendly maintenance guy who can't change a flapper in a commode does not help you. Or I actually hired a reservations agent one time who could not type. I'm not surprised. I'm serious. She could not type. Gal was 20-something. We'll say young 20s. She'd never existed at a time when computers didn't work, but she had no idea where the L was on the keyboard. So attitude goes without saying, but in terms of skill, you should test for it for some degree. I'll give you one of my tests when we sit down with the potential interviewee. I will hand them something and say, sell me this. Sell me this pen. Or a maintenance tech, you might say, show me how to change a light bulb in this fixture. I remember a story a guy told me one time who was a tile fellow, replacing tile on the floor like a tile guy. One of his interview techniques was to say, can you show me how you would replace a tile? And the, by the manner in which the guy would kneel down, he could tell whether he's going to work out or not. One of my other favorites is uh, accounting. I'll always ask them, so are you a detail person? And like, oh, yes, I'm, I'm very detailed. Then I'll say, okay, so what is my assistant's name? And, of course, they will have met my assistant before they came in, and I will have said something to my assistant, and I have had one person get that right in, like, the last 11 years. If you're, wow. coming, to, if you're coming to interview with me and you listen to this podcast, you better know my assistant's name. <laughs> so, what is it? What's, what's this person's name? Nicole is my assistant. Nicole. So if you are a detailed person, you better remember Nicole's name. Yeah, I would never have, you would never have hired me. (laughs) Well, you also wouldn't have said, no, I'm not a detail person at all. Well, sometimes I used to think I was, but yeah, mine for that, sometimes you can talk to somebody, reservation agent, they sell the pen well to you. You think Mm -hmm. this is a great person for the job. And then when they start, you realize you never put them in front of any kind of technology or computer in any way. Mm -hmm. And since they're maybe under 30, 30 something, you think no big deal. Well, I have to tell you, I'm really disappointed with the writing of some people these days, a lot of employees, these, I'm just, you know, I'm I'm trying not to say something about my current employees. The grammar sentence structure, that is critical when they're writing so much back and forth to guests. So if you have to check for it, figure out how they write, how they type, like you said, and put them in front of a computer. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And then in terms of attitude, you can also ask questions to get a culture fit as well which, again, you don't want to hire somebody that isn't going to fit. So that kind of gets us back to item number four is next on the list. Sarah? Number four, you need to check compatibility. So number four is we've talked a lot about company culture on this podcast, as you guys know, and so it shouldn't be surprised that it shows up here too. Are they the right fit? What tests have you built into your interview process to discover these like-minded candidates to your culture? Are you doing personality tests or are you doing, Tim, you have a good one. And it's not just about remembering Nicole's name. What else? I mean, Tim tortures the person <laughs> while they're waiting they for the here. interview. Yeah, yeah. What do you do while they're waiting? Well, it actually is one of my management team. It is one of my favorites, though, is to keep someone waiting in the lobby area. So let's say, for instance, they have a 10 o'clock appointment, and they're there at 
9.55, and you keep them waiting till like 10.05, and you test their interaction with the frontline staff. Were they friendly? Were they outgoing? Were they perturbed? How did they treat the frontline folks as a good indicator of how they're going to treat your customers? A good one. Do you do that every time? The manager that gave me this does it every single time, yes. Wow, that's cool. One thing I ask, and I try to get my managers to ask, is I want to see if they have passion about our industry. Are they even interested in this, or do they just throw their resume in the pool because they're just so desperate for a job? So I like to ask if they have been on our website. What did they think? What was their favorite property? Where would they want to stay? What did they not like about our website? Just go for it. And I found that, this is sad, but nine times out of ten, the candidate says, oh, I haven't looked on your website yet. Yeah, you got to do some work. Yeah. And then the other thing, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this or not, but checking compatibility, pay attention to how someone dresses at the interview because that's the best they're ever going to look. <laughs> Okay. This is the best sales job they ever did with getting this job. Wow. (laughs) Big one for me is telephone skills. I really pride myself on our telephone skills as a company. So I ask them, have you called my company? You'll find out how important it is to me. And I'll ask the listeners, call, call my company. You can find us. Ask for me. See how you're treated. I would love to hear of any experience you have that is not world-class on the telephone. Let's just put it at that. Interview or not. Call me now. Operators are standing by. So that brings us to number five, I think. And sort of related, get social is number five. And so this is no longer a new idea, but you can analyze someone's presence on social media pretty easily. And you'll be surprised what you find out on platforms like LinkedIn or Facebook or Twitter. By the way, if you look at the list of Fortune 500 firms, 45% of them list job openings on social media. It's another place to look in the right place for people you're looking for. Great. Okay, number six. I'm going to go right into it. And that, even though number six is don't rush, I'm rushing into number six. (laughs) Don't rush the process. And this, for me, might be the number one for me because of what I said in the beginning. There's a Brian Tracy quote. It says, as a business owner or manager, you know that hiring the wrong person is the most costly mistake you can make. Do you know that? I hope everybody knows that, but it's incredibly costly to hire the wrong person. And then Jim Collins says, people are not your most important asset. The right people are. Boom. That's a good one. (laughs) So how long should you take, Sarah? Well, I guess you're supposed to take as long as it takes, and you should check your references and ask your staff what they think of them. Make sure they're all interviewing them. Sometimes you can... You know, I've had it both ways where the staff interviews somebody and they're like, we really like this person. And then I interview them and go, whoa, had saw some red flags. It can be the opposite, too. I have a problem of projection. I think that's the right word. Like, I want this person to be the right person. Mm -hmm. So I almost project on them and think, yeah, they're good. They're perfect. Where have they been all my life? And then I have another employee interview them and say, Sarah, you know, they said this and that. And did you notice this? And also I know something about them in the community, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Checking the references. We've forgotten to check references a couple times when we were very small long ago. Oh, that would have been helpful to check the reference. Hmm. Good stuff. When we know this stuff, we just don't do it. That's the thing. So hopeful people are getting takeaways, but they're also getting shamed as they're listening to this. And maybe they'll... Uh, <laughs> turn their ways. So we're on to number seven. 
Go ahead. Yeah, I think, Tim, the point is that we all go through this, even though Tim sounds like he's perfect in hiring. <laughs> No. We all go through this pain of wanting the person to be the right person, of hiring them because we're in a hurry. And I think every one of us that's been in business longer than, I don't know, two years can re- can understand how it feels to have the wrong person in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. And it is incredibly disruptive, not just to you as the owner or the manager or that person, but the whole company. It's vital you get this right. So go ahead. Exactly. Sorry. Well, I, I'm going to go back on that since you prodded me. I just remembered a hire we almost made and they had gone through the entire process. And our process is a six step process, by the way. We do personality tests. We all those things that we mentioned before. We do a telephone interview because if you can't do phone, you can't work here and on and on. And so this person got down to the last and we got to the part that you just uh, were talking about there, Sarah, and that's checking references. And she portrayed her leaving of the company in a certain way. And I told the department head, before we make the offer, let's double check the reference. And the manager had a hard time getting up with this individual to check the reference. And I remember that person coming back to me and saying, well, you know, everything else checked out. I just can't get a hold of this one person. And I remember saying, let's make sure we talk to them before we make the offer. And so it extended another three or four days. Meanwhile, the applicant is calling, how did it go? Am I going to get the job? You know, this kind of thing. And we finally got a hold of the person. She's one of the worst employees I ever had. She came in and threatened me. Her boyfriend was a problem. She was late to work 43 times over the course of four months. It was like, what? Are you kidding me? So I sent that guy a box of steaks. Did you really? I did. He saved me so much money. Oh, my gosh. Wow, that's great. Yeah, so um I heard something, you know, we won't we will just say they're eligible to rehire or not because there's legal reasons why you as an employer should not go on and on negatively about somebody. Mm-hmm. That's a different story. Okay. So sometimes when we call, if we feel like they're not calling back or we can't get in touch, I've heard this tip and I don't know if it's good or not, but it's to leave a message and say, If you recommend this person, please call me back. If you don't recommend them, by you not calling back, you're telling me you don't recommend them. And it's like a way someone can say they don't recommend without getting in legal trouble. So okay. I don't know. It's another another idea if you can't get in touch with somebody. Okay. Well, I'm sure Sue Jones is very upset with me right now for saying what I just said. But I that kind of, I'm sorry. I'm going to call you. That kind of stuff drives me insane to just say, oh, they are not eligible for rehire. That tells me there was a major issue that went on. And yeah, I get legality and so on, but typically we're talking a local community here, and you would hope you have some relationship with the person that you're reaching out to. I would hope that they would give me a heads up. I certainly would give them a heads up if there was a terrible situation. So that may, right. well, that may not be PC. Don't get about the legalese, okay? Well, I mean, that's PC. the way the world works. You, you, I think even if somebody says they're not eligible for rehire, mm-hmm. that means something big happened. Yes. Don't hire that person. Right. Or get them on the side, maybe at the restaurant or the bar, and be like, what did you mean? We'll let uh, the listeners make their own determinations on this, but I feel like it's a quid pro quo. If somebody says they can't give me a recommendation one way or another, well, don't ever call me for a recommendation one way or another. So, right, I got Tim mad. No, I have just, you fired up. Oh boy, I just that's so weak. <laughs> What's number seven, Tim? <laughs> make the right offer, Sarah. 
Chinese <laughs> proverb says, if you pay peanuts, you will get monkeys. So know what your job market standards are. Know what the value of the job is and what the value of the person is and the offer you make is appropriate. So when I make an offer, I always point out the quote, total compensation. Now, everybody goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what's the hourly wage? If you have to answer that, you go, well, you're going to be compensated this per hour, but don't forget you receive insurance, education, a fitness benefit, a profit share, a year in bonus, paid time off, yada, yada, yada. The offer is blank for your first year of employment, and then we will analyze it from there. And I always say make the offer in writing as well, so there's never any confusion about what the offer is three months into the deal or what have you. It's in the personnel file. No, this is what we talked about. And so make the right offer and make it in writing is number seven. Making the right offer in writing. Write that one down. No (laughs) pun intended. Because sometimes it gets busy. You hired that person. Then you go, oh, what did we tell them about their bonus? I can't remember. Or what was that hourly wage? Gosh, I forgot. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing I think you should not feel if you feel desperate for staff, which sometimes we do in our communities, you find the right one. You don't want to lose them to another job maybe they've said they've interviewed for. Try not to overpay because remember that right. as you give them raises, if you're a company that gives raises every year, they're going to be making a lot of money in five years. So try to hold yourself back. But that gets to number eight and that is to keep improving your hiring process. Even you, Tim, I'm sure there's some way you can improve. I have a lot of improvement to do in ours. And instead of just trying to find that perfect question on Google, like the perfect question that will decide if this is the right employee, work on what are their capabilities, knowledge, skills, confidence, attitude, and the potential of the candidate. And then did you involve the right people in that process? And do you feel absolutely confident this is the right person. And that's what I'd like to leave us with on number eight is that if you hear yourself rationalizing in any way, right, we do it like women, we do it when we buy clothes and stuff like that (laughs) or a purchase. It's the same little voice in your head. If you're rationalizing, well, they, they did do that one thing and they said that thing. And I did hear that one reference wasn't great, but gosh, they seem like a good fit. I think we can work through it. Listen to the rationalization person in your head because what they're saying is red flag, don't go down the road if you're not 100% confident. Good one. Man, time just flies when we get together on these kinds of things. We're already at the end here, and so it's time for not so hot off the press, but definitely happening. And on our episode today, we're going to talk about Visa who has evidently imposed some new rules on vacation rentals, and we want to call your attention to it. So Visa uses these things called merchant category codes, MCCs. And so vacation rentals have enjoyed the code 6513, which is real estate agents and managers. And there's a whole set of rules that goes under 6513, just like every other code they have. Some hotels even have their own codes where they make up the rules, but we don't have that um, luxury. So your discounted rate that you deal with with your processor reflects that code. And there's a risk-reward proposition, obviously, for Visa on chargebacks, et cetera, et cetera. So at any rate, recently Visa revisited this whole thing and changed the code for vacation rentals to 7011, which is service providers, 
hotels, motels, and resorts, and central reservation services. And this is going to be for any rental of less than 30 days. Evidently, they got complaints from cardholders about loyalty points weren't going through with the 6513, and this will help that. But the other side of that is that your processing fees have gone up or will be going up up to 30%. And so this is a Visa thing only. It does not involve MasterCard or American Express, but it is something you need to be aware of. And if you have not heard of it and do not know if it affects you, you should call your processor because I, Sarah, I think there may be some confusion out there about whether this really impacts everybody or not. Right. So when this news came out about a week or two ago, we heard from some processors, some processors saying this doesn't apply to us for some reason. Some are saying this is a big deal and it will apply. You need to call your processor. And if you don't know who your processor is, like you're a small company and you can't remember, it's important that you know who it is. You know your rep's name. And Tim, when we were chatting about this, I even I feel like it's important every year to be calling your processor mm-hmm. and saying, you know, I've grown over the past year if you have and I want you to reassess what my rate is anyway. So even if this wasn't going on, I encourage you to do it every year. I've contacted ours every year, and almost every year they've reduced our rate, which as you make more and more bookings and money, a small reduction in rate can mean a lot to your bottom line. That is just pure cash going to the bottom line. So find out about this. If it's true what Tim's saying, a 30% increase, that's a lot of money for some of us. So we need to stay on this. And you know what I was thinking? It's the first time I'm going to be excited to take American Express because I've never, it's always like the higher rate. <laughs> yep. For once, something doesn't affect American Express. But we need to find out what it is. And if you do find out anything about your processor, feel free to write it on Facebook for us. Very good. We'll look forward to that. And so that kind of wraps it up on what we would call it, hiring winners instead of whiners on our hiring episode. And we had eight steps for you. Step number one was have a process. Number two is look in the right places. So find out what works for you and continue to look in those places that get you great employees. Number three is a reversal of an old standard, and that is you need to seek skill as much as you seek attitude when you hire a new employee. And number four, check their company culture compatibility. Are they the right person for your company? Do they have passion about what you do? Number five is get social. Check them out on their social presence, and don't forget social media as a place that you could advertise for jobs as well. All right. Number six is don't rush the process. Breathe. Remember, (laughs) yes, you need that employee. You do. Everyone's needing another employee, but it's going to be a lot worse if you rush the process and hire the wrong one. And check the references. And you better give them a reference when they call you. (laughs) (laughs) And number seven, make the right offer. Put it in writing and make sure it is appropriate to the market standard as well as what the job that they're being hired for and not just because you like the person. There you go. And we sound so mean. And number eight is keep improving. Think about what do I truly do right now when we need a new employee? What Do I have a booklet? Do I have a handout that everyone is following like Tim does? And then When you are hiring, make sure you have absolute confidence. This is the right person. Listen to the rationalizing voice in your head. Okay. 
I think I have a call on line one from the employment agency and the federal government about some uh, violations that I need to address here relative to my interviewing skills. So I, I need to go. Yeah, so. but I'll be fine because I'm clearly I'm following the rules. Mm-hmm. Okay, that'll do it for now. <laughs> I hope I'll be back soon. I'm Tim. Otherwise, it'll just be sea to ski with Sarah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> See you later, Tim. Okay, thanks so much. So long, everybody. Thank you for listening to Sea to Ski with Sarah and T, professional vacation rental managers podcast, brought to you by Sarah Bradford of Winter Park Lodging Company and Steamboat Lodging Company, as well as Tim Cafferty of Outer Banks Blue and Sandbridge Blue Realty Services. Together, Sarah and Tim manage more than 600 privately owned vacation rental properties, and both are regarded as experts in the vacation rental management industry. Music provided by Ben Sound. We encourage your participation on this podcast by sharing it with friends, and please feel free to rate and review the podcast on iTunes. Comments or reviews on this particular podcast can be made on their website, see to ski with sarahnt.com, where you can also subscribe to the podcast as well as provide them feedback on this episode or give them ideas for future topics. We look forward to speaking with you next time on See to Ski with Sarah and T.